0: You should be uh, able to start your video now, Pat, if you would uh, come up and join me. You ah, we go. Welcome.
1: <laughs> Glad to be here. Thanks for being patient, because I went through all of that. <laughs> well, I'm the ultimate Luddite, so dealing with technology is not my strong point, so it's amazing that this is all working to me. I, I, <laughs> I, I love the new technology and all that it can do. I just don't maneuver through it very well. It's pretty incredible, right? Um,
0: what you can do in technology and the fact that we can feel so connected uh in this way um you know actually one of the things i do when i get online with somebody is before i even get online i sort of um i'll go in and intend a connection i'll sort of reach for their energy and and i'll tell you if you are uh, using this digital service it's see what happens if you do that just put that intention before you get online with them to actually make a connection
1: with them reach out My- my son and I were, uh, just before we got started here in his bedroom, and uh, and he, I, I stared off into space and he said, what was that? And I said, oh, I think uh, Asa's just tapping me on the shoulder here. <laughs> it's so fun to work with somebody who can feel it. <laughs> yes, I get some of those taps. I, I can often
0: follow them uh, to where they go. I had a friend many years ago who, uh, she was, it was back in the day where you paid per minute for a phone call was if it was long distance. And she was uh, self-proclaimed, cheap, cheap, cheap. And so she would never call me. She would, and it, it used to really piss me off. She would buzz me psychically. She would like do this thing and it was, and she didn't even do it in like a sweet way. It was like a bzzz, like to get my attention. And if mm-hmm. I didn't call her within an hour, she was mad. And uh, you
1: know, there was a, a famous botanist out here in California named Luther Burbank. And he uh, lived up in Santa Rosa, California. He had an ailing mother for many years, and she used to wire him by telegram, or they would wire him to say, you know, mom is sick, you need to come visit. Uh, he used to go down to the train station, book himself a ticket to go see his mother, and then he would cross the tracks, go over to the telegram office, and pick up the telegram that was asking him to come. So his mother was reaching out, tapping him on the shoulder before before he ever, uh, uh, got the telegram, got the message, he'd go get his ticket ready to go.
0: <laughs> so, uh, so on this sort of psychic experience note, how long have you been having psychic experiences or what's your earliest memory with it, if I can ask? Well,
1: you? as far back as I can remember, um, you know, many years ago I was, uh, kind of shanghaied by Stanford Research Institute and we were over there jumping through hoops for them and being tested in a variety of different ways. And of all the people who survived, they kept cutting, down the number of people they were working with to the the performers, you know, the ones who were getting good results. And uh, everybody who was left in that final group could not remember when it first started. They they'd all been that way since they were born. Um, So we we had a motto we used to use, we called ourselves, we said, we, we are natural, not supernatural. Mm -hmm. And these talents are natural that we have, and we were born with them. So, you know, we we actually nicknamed ourselves the Naturals uh, back then in the, in the 70s. And yeah, as far back as I can remember, I, 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 has, I had a lot of information running through my head when I was very small, and it, a lot of it was herbological. I, I, had, I was kind of a walking herbological dictionary. And when we started, uh, as I got a little bit older and my, my, I did a little research, most of the herbs that I was talking about when I was little, were European and medieval. Uh, they weren't really, they didn't grow on this continent, the different things that I was referring to, and the usages for them were all, you know, many of them, you know, they hadn't been utilized for hundreds of years. But yeah, I, my, my brother slammed my finger in the closet door many, many years ago when I was six years old. And I, I told my mother, we need to get liverwort and cobwebs, you know, liverwort as the anti-infection agent and cobwebs to stop the bleeding which is a a lovely uh remedy if you're in the 1300s.
0: Yeah, did she ignore that suggestion?
1: Well, they thought I had invented my own little world that I lived in and uh and for a little while when she started finding some of these references were were true or valid that there was such a thing as liverwort, you know, I didn't make it up. Then for a little while they thought I was a genius and then uh, I, I got to school age and began disproving that theory. (laughs) <laughs> but but I, uh, I remember my dad came home back in the late 50s and he absolutely hit the roof. We, we were not in very good shape financially when I was growing up. And my mother had spent $100 for a subscription to an encyclopedia that was for children. And what she told my father was this way when he says, says something, meaning me, I can tell the neighbors, he read it in his encyclopedia. So My my sweet mother was coming up with a cover story for me uh, when I was a kid.
0: (laughs) Love your mom. My mother would say when I was a kid, uh, I would tell her certain things. And I always tell the story that she was like, you know, he's, I wasn't sure if he was a genius, mental. Uh, or <laughs> or psychic but I figured i would uh, I would keep listening to find out it was best to have him continue to tell me these things so I could you know make sure I could track it and see if he needed help as we went on down the road so so she never told me as many people had those experiences where they were told it was just their imagination or whatever my mother would say things like well that's that's really nice honey you should keep telling me these stories
1: <laughs> well you know my uh, experience going through grade school i I mean, I got, I was kind of a dull kid. I mean, I got to about second grade before I realized that not everybody heard things and knew things and saw things. I I thought it was universal. And uh, gosh, I I had a a very formative experience on the playground, I think about fourth grade, as some, uh, our our class bully, who I I still remember his name, but I'm not going to mention him here, uh, called me stupid. And I said, I might be stupid, but you're a bedwetter. And he just beat the tar out of me. He was a little older than I was. and uh, But I still remember this guy who was sitting on my chest pounding on me on the playground. And he had tears running down his face. And I felt horrible. I felt absolutely evil, you know, that I had pulled something out and used it against him. And so I, I tried to shut it down for a long time. I, I actually tried to mimic what looked like normal behavior from the other kids. And that, that made me look really strange. <laughs>
0: thing about this work it's why uh, a lot of psychics that I've met and, and that are out there that got information they tried to shut it down young and a lot of times it was because uh, they felt the power of their words when they did read something and the impact of that and it was just it felt like too much um, and uh, yeah I definitely remember you know yeah I couldn't inflict pain without going through pain myself you know and especially with information with, with uh, that was coming through from the unseen um, so yeah, there's no real degree for this work, but there is uh, there's definitely a criteria of integrity that uh, that I think really matters.
1: I have come uh, to the conclusion that most of us, you know naturals tend to shut down at some point and try to mute it or uh, compartmentalize it, do something with it. And, and I think that there may it may be a natural part of the process too. you know, I I, I often joke that I, I don't think I'd have learned to tie my own shoelaces if I hadn't stepped away from that talent for a little while and you know focused on the so-called real world and learned some other practical skills so in terms of navigating the the other thing is that there there are very very few benefits to growing older but one is that you sort of learn how to use what you've got and growing up once I came out of my my shutdown period uh, you know, I first, I first started doing this professionally when I was 19 years old, uh, so uh, I was wide open, crazy, clairvoyant kid, and I, and I was at a book signing years ago and a, and a woman asked me a question I'd never been asked before. She said, well, you know, are you getting more psychic as the years go by? Hmm. And I told her, you know, if anything, I was totally wide open and it was like a kaleidoscope in my head all the time when I was a kid. But I said so. If anything, I'm a little duller now. You know, not quite as as wide open. But I am a much, much better reader now, because now when I see something, I can put it in context, or I might have a chance to know what it is. Whereas when I was 19, I'd you know have way too much information and have no idea how to take it, put it out there in practical terms for someone.
0: Yeah, it's definitely been a refinement for me as I've gotten older. I would say, uh, but definitely not more powerful when I was young. As, you know, but I also think when I was young there were times I walked around where, you know, I looked a little disassociated and my eyes were sort of over here sometimes because I didn't know how to stay in the body with it all.
1: The space cadet period, I call that for myself. Yeah, I was uh, when I was in Berkeley, I was, uh, of course at Berkeley I didn't, didn't make me at all unusual. There were a lot of space cadets in Berkeley.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Especially what year were you at Berkeley? 74. So yeah, Around then it was definitely much more expected. Um, so, speaking of 1974 you know one thing that did come up in our dialogue initially around this is i believe that you had a vision that might relate in some way to what's been going on now it's it's um and and you know when i asked you on i really was curious about uh, for a variety of reasons you know just to say I, you're a parent you're a grandparent, uh you know uh, you've been around a little while <laughs> uh you've connected with a lot of people um and i I just thought it would be interesting to get your perspective as a psychic as a as a you know someone doing this work in the world but what i didn't expect is to find out that you had a vision that you thought might actually connect right now so i was wondering if we could talk about that
1: well years and years ago uh you know i uh, since i'm an old guy i get to say things like back before you were born asa uh, (laughs) i had this vision (laughs) and Back, my teacher always used to tell me patrick visions are liars he said just tell people what you see don't try to interpret it because you never know if you're gonna get the interpretation right with what you see you might be led astray i've ignored him for 47 years i always try to interpret and very often put my foot in my mouth but i had a vivid rather dark clairvoyant vision of people walking around wearing masks and a worldwide uh, epidemic of respiratory disease and the sky looked very smoky and hazy. And I was I was connecting it to the environment. And back then, I, I had no background in science. And I didn't have the vocabulary to use. We didn't talk about you know, global climate change in that way or carbon emissions or anything like that, the degradation of the atmosphere. So in my head, I just always called it the oxygen crisis. And it seemed to be sitting out there about 2030, 2032, you know, when I counted on my fingers to try to measure the time. and. It was very disturbing. I, I At the time, it, it, I wasn't terribly alarmed because to me that was the far distant future. I mean, that was like Star Trek out there somewhere. And, I, you know, who knew if I'd ever live long enough to see those days. And then over the years, I've been checking in on it, uh, this cataclysm. And it had been marching closer and closer, you know, over the years. I mean, the 2030 does not seem that far away now. And at my age, a mere 10 years seems like nothing anymore. It goes by like that so i'm you know I'm starting to get more and more worried one thing about the nature of time and events that are out there in the timeline especially big global events is they they tend to move around depending on what happens in the present time you know the future uh, actually as it says on this stone that i have right here i don't know if you can see it um yep nothing yeah. nothing nothing is written in stone <laughs> I had to do that. Uh, so, you know, one of my claims to fame back in the 80s was that I, I was on some uh, television show and I boldly declared that in three years, the Berlin Wall was going to come down. And uh, then sure enough, three years, you know, bingo, right on right on the money. Uh, if I had been really completely honest during that interview, I probably would have said something more along the lines of, uh, sometime in the next one to three, five years, the Berlin Wall is going to come down because it was on a bungee cord, you know, it was moving around a little. And I just, basically, I got lucky. It landed right in the middle. So I sort of averaged it out in that interview and said three years. When I kept looking at this big environmental cataclysm, it didn't move around a lot. And that is more characteristic of an event that's actually going to happen. It is more likely to occur if it doesn't move around because there aren't that many variables or things changing in the present time to move it off the the time scape. So I was getting a little worried about it. When we had our wildfires out here in the West, the sky turned smoky, people were walking around wearing masks. And I thought maybe that's it, it's, it's forest fires, you know, it's terrible, but we can handle that. And I thought maybe that's my vision because it matched the images that I had seen. But when I tried to step way back from it, and as you know, when you're looking at something, you want to avoid your own prejudices and wishful thinking and fears. And I got as neutral and objective as I could, nope, that environmental, cataclysm was still out there. And so the forest fires, that wasn't it. Then along comes this pandemic. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, maybe it's, it's early. This is even matches better. The vision I had people wearing masks and a global pandemic and people dying from a serious worldwide uh, epidemic of respiratory disease, as that had been part of my vision. And then when I stepped way, way back and looked again, no, I still saw that environmental, disaster out there, still out about 2030, and uh, still sitting there waiting for us. But over all these decades, I've been trying to brainstorm, how do we change the political landscape, or how do we develop a massive global will to do something to keep the environment from degrading, to keep the atmosphere from, you know, turning dark and smoky and having another, you know, big epidemic of respiratory disease based on environmental problems. And, it, nothing seemed to work. I mean, we've got, you know, good, noble, amazing, brave people out there working in the environmental movement all around the world trying to, you know, get us greener and greener as we go forward. But, uh, you know, it doesn't seem to matter. We can elect a genius, we can elect an idiot, you know, and have to, to uh, try to remedy this situation. And it doesn't really seem to matter too much uh, what we do politically. But I think this pandemic might be what helps to create the unification and a massive global will to do all of the hard things that we need to do to avoid this environmental catastrophe down the road so you know in, in in one sense this is a very very bad horrible thing that i think may be preventing a worse thing from happening so that's been my my take on this and i'm, I'm kind of hoping that i'm right about that so that we can uh, uh, manage to avoid worst problems down the road
0: sounds like uh the god ganesha are you familiar with ganesha yes you know he likes to put the he'll put these obstacles in your path to help you avoid the greater obstacles that are always there over there i love people will love to call on ganesha to say uh you know oh my god these obstacles please get rid of all my obstacles and then they go into suffering and they get confused (laughs) and i'm like "No, no, no no you never call upon ganesha unless you are willing to go over hurdles because that uh, helps you avoid those bigger obstacles.
1: Well, speaking Uh, of of India, actually, uh, one thing to explain the nature of time a little bit more, I was wrong uh, about a prediction that I made back in the seventies as well. Uh, I had this vision of a nuclear exchange between, uh, India and Pakistan. And back at the time we didn't even realize, we didn't know whether Pakistan had a bomb or not, but it looked like there was going to be like an accidental, um, launch and then there was going to be a response and it was going to irradiate parts of the near east for years to come and it seemed pretty horrible and one morning i woke up back in the 80s and it had just vanished from the timeline at that point it was getting closer and closer it was probably about a year away in, in the way that i was viewing it and it was just gone it was there was no sign of it anymore when i went groping out there in time to look for it and i couldn't i thought well maybe we got you know, our political acts together and non-proliferation was, you know, we got in the heads of the politicians, maybe they changed their way. But actually what had happened was Chernobyl. And in the aftermath of Chernobyl, it changed our consciousness. We realized that radiation didn't respect borders. And we started signing treaties and started knocking down the number of warheads. And we averted, averted a nuclear catastrophe, I believe, that just went right off the timeline. So I, I wasn't terribly invested in being right about that one. I'm really glad I wasn't.
0: <laughs> There's definitely things I, I hope I'm not right about. Um, I need to go back. I, I want to make sure before I forget some things that, that came up there because you said so much uh, at one time. I have uh, several questions. So one to start with: Are you saying that that vision uh, for 2030, as I understood it, though, you are saying it's still there at this moment?
1: You know, like yeah. Uh, I'm going to monitor it to see if it moves a little bit more. The, a, a little bit more time has to grind forward to create that the trend that I would follow out to that point in time. You know, fo- following the little dancing thread of probability into the future is, uh, you know, if there are so many variables, it, it, it gets harder and harder to do the further out you go. When a firm trend is established by what's happening in the present, then you can see a more solid future down the road. It's just one of the things. So the time just keeps changing all the time. But I'm hoping that that trend is going to develop. I'm gonna I'm gonna re-examine it month by month. Actually, I've been re-examining it like every ten minutes just because I'm so nosy and curious. I can't wait. But uh, so far, I haven't seen a huge change. But I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed. There will be substantial change in that vision.
0: And you know, can you uh, uh, elaborate at all on like how you look at that? Like how you check in 10 minutes or so, or when you're doing that, what's your, uh, is there a way to share that or is that?
1: Well, the, 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 the three talents, the, way, what the labels that I put on what I do, um, no, number one is clairsentience. That's what I use every day, just networking emotionally, feeling other people's emotions, characterizing them, figuring out how they're going to behave based on their emotional makeup. And then extrapolating that out through their networks and other people, and it gives you lots and lots of information. The other is what I call abstract intuition, which is just knowing something without having any earthly way of knowing it, or what one of my teachers used to call knowingness—you know, just pure information. And then clairvoyance is probably the least dependable. Uh, it, it, I, it it afflicts me every day, but I uh, um, I have no control over when something like that comes in. But once I've had a vision, when I revisit it and I know where it is situated in time and space, I can go revisit it and look and see whether it is changing or mutating or moving further away or getting closer. So uh, the the shortest, simplest answer to that question is, I don't know how I do it. (laughs) I close my eyes, concentrate, go revisit what I saw before, follow it forward through time, and see if it's still there.
0: I actually have to tell you, explaining this stuff is really difficult. I actually think you did an amazing job (laughs) leading up to that uh very much so to you know giving us a little bit of insight and maybe how you work and what you're working with uh and and the idea because the thing i really relate to is that idea that you have a vision or you see something and you can return to it to see if it's still there or if it's changed or you know how that even what the the feelings are what the what the energy is that connects to that um so on this you know staying in this sort of same really interesting subject of this vision uh so is it your hope that that what's happening now is going to help change what's coming, uh, or is there also, you know, an intuition? Is there another sort of um, psychic input you got that sort of leads you to believe that this is going to help us uh, potentially help us to avoid that greater catastrophe? Like, is that is that logic working, uh, <laughs> and, and people and the world and fear and the power of that, or is this intuition?
1: Well, I, I often joke about piffle. PFFL, the four elements that'll interfere with your vision. Uh, the P stands for prejudice. You know, personal prejudices can alter what you're seeing, the way you filter it. The first F is fear, because our fears dictate to us often or, or alter or change what we're seeing. Uh, and the second F is fantasy, wishful thinking, what you want to be true. And then the big L, you mentioned logic, the big bugaboo of Western minds. We think because something logically should be so, it will be so. And that is just... Not always the case with human behavior. In this particular situation, I I have the same prejudice, I think, that most of the human race has. I want to keep us going and to keep us healthy and see us survive and go on to an era of peace and prosperity and health for everybody. Um, So when I look at something like this big ecological disaster, I have a vested interest. I have a rooting interest. I'm hoping it will not happen. So I have to watch myself to try not to be too rosy here, uh, just from my own wishful thinking about it. Uh, I, I don't have absolute knowledge that this pandemic is gonna be the, the piece of the puzzle that, that helps us. I, I, I often say, I hope that w- when we go through this test, that, you know, as you mentioned Ganesha, putting the obstacle in your path, I hope we, we progress rather than regress. Um, you know, when people get scared en masse, they sometimes behave foolishly. And we've been through times like that before. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm hoping we step up. I'm seeing great examples, especially a lot of younger people are who are finding themselves and taking authority for, you know, a certain type of leadership in the world now because they're, they're being put to the test and making sacrifices now.
0: Yeah. I've actually seen a lot of that too. It's been, uh, sure. Nice to see the, the, I think we talked a little about this, but seeing the millennials also stepping up uh, and saying, you know, no. <laughs> um, but wait, but I still didn't, in all of that, I, I just wanna make sure. So you're saying that, that there's been intuition or, or a psychic sense that this is actually impacting what?
1: And that is what I believe. And, and given a little bit more time, I think I will know it, but right. I'm, I'm missing words a little bit here, but yeah
0: no i don't think you are and i think it makes a lot of sense i actually have uh had my own feelings that certain things were coming and and actually many psychics that i've talked to have uh uh feelings that certain things were coming and that it might actually also be helping us with with that we were going to go through hard times that were actually leading us to better decisions and better choices for the future so it's not i think there's a lot of people that have been feeling that and i think when things are happening you have to sort of sit back because we are human right you have a family you have kids you want this them to have a a better world not a worse world than than what we had and to imagine them not having that is difficult you have to find ways to put that aside as a psychic to be able to uh receive the information and tune in and it's a process um so i don't think it's i don't think you're being anything other than clear that it takes time to find that right to i always say it's almost um Uh, there's times for me where I feel like um, it's like sitting with something long enough to let it, letting something settle in me. And that, you know, it's not necessarily, I can't take away my judgments or my opinions or my wants, but I can let them settle. And if I can let them settle enough, then I can see more clearly uh, things that I might have attachment to with the outcomes. So I don't know if it ever feels that way, but.
1: Well, for, for me, it has to do with, like I say, sorting out the piffle, just separating out my prejudice, fantasy, fear, logic from the process. And what you have left after you've taken all that out tends to be closer to the truth, so.
0: So if this is uh, a part of maybe helping us uh, and maybe the, the wake up of like, you know, we're going somewhere really bad, um, which, you know, and I actually said from this, when this first started, I said, I hope when we get to the other side of this, you know, I hope it starts a conversation that if people think it's suffering to have to stay home uh, with plenty of food in the grocery stores and plenty of water, you know, clean water and, and well, that's relative, by the way, but plenty of water and, and, and all of that. Um, just wait, I hope it starts this conversation on what's going to happen when we've destroyed the environment so much that we have food rations and water rations and we can't leave our homes and our government's having to take control because of the state of the world. And And so there is a bigger conversation that needs to happen here. But but one of the things I've seen that I think is so amazing is is what nature is showing us right now, you know what we're seeing with uh, are, you, are you familiar with what's been happening in the oceans with the whales?
1: Well, I've been I've been hearing about dolphins in the canals in Venice. Yeah, that as well.
0: But also they were uh, so. I guess um, those who listen for seismic activity. Uh, have been hearing, near the oceans Have been hearing all these songs, all this music in the water and they've, they got the oceanographers involved and it turns out that the whales are singing in ways that, that we haven't ever heard since we've had the ability to listen to them. Uh, and part of it they believe is the lack of movement, the ships out there. Uh, and so the ocean is singing in a way that it never has. And we are out there, these oceanographers and they are doing everything they can to record as much of it as they possibly can before uh, we start back up again.
1: And well, so, I imagine the whales are telling each other, you know, hey, this traffic is so much better than it has been. <laughs> yes. Well, and there's been the, uh,
0: the, I think I heard about the octopuses coming out. There's uh, There was something like, I, I wish I had the article right in front of me. I think it was like 70,000 sea turtles that went up mm-hmm. on the beaches and were laying their eggs on the beaches because people weren't there. Uh, what else has happened? The air in L.A., <laughs> you know. Um, the the earth is showing us, you know, what an impact we've, we've have on it, you know, and, uh, I think it's speaking really loudly considering, uh, what's happening and how fast it's taking place.
1: Yeah, when I heard that they could see the Himalayas from New Delhi, I was astonished. That has not been possible for decades.
0: Yeah, so decades of not being able to do it in a couple of months of us not polluting the way we've been and look at what happened. So, you know, I wonder if this is also a part of the conversation, you know, that's going to, you know, besides just living with less and, and and I hear people talking about this a lot, you know, it's like, wow, I I don't need as much as I did, you know, it's some, some people. Well, on the
1: idea of what, what, what we can do when we have to do it. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of people are talking about all these trillions now being pulled out and utilized by government with this pandemic. And that it could very well, uh, you know, they were complaining before, they didn't have enough money to pay for health care, you know. But obviously, when we have to do something and are motivated, we can do it. And cleaning up the environment. You know, I mean, you, I, I used to ride my bicycle out across the countryside and went up to Pacheco Pass here in California and looked across the Central Valley to the Sierras. When I was a, a, a kid, they were crystal clear, you know, on a spring day. And it's been many decades since you could look across the valley and see the snow-capped Sierra. That's become true now, that the air is cleared up enough. Uh, there for, you know, and, and the first thought I had when I saw that haze as the years went by was you know, there are little children living down in that valley breathing that every day. You know, we've had scientists around the world taking air samples. There's a fellow up at Donner Lake in the High Sierras in California who's getting particulate matter in his air traps that comes from Shanghai. So we've, we've gone beyond mere smog. We have GLOG now, global smog. And it's traversing the oceans, which used to be a big washing machine and clean it out, but not anymore. So, you know, to have this moment of clarity, literally, where we have clean air to breathe, I think uh, tells us what we can do if we develop the will to do so. And, uh, you know, a desire for our children to keep breathing free.
0: You know, I how old are uh, your kids?
1: Uh, they range. I mean, I've got a 43-year-old, a 40-year-old, I've got grandchildren now, nine and six, and, you know, they're,
0: uh... I'm interested in the grandchildren. How are they, uh, how are they responding to this? Have they been, do they know much about it? Do they realize what's happening?
1: Uh, they're, of course, restless, but I think they're delighted to have their parents at home and have them at their beck and call as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're rambunctious. They've, uh, they're, they're playing a Minecraft game on, uh, online. And enjoying that a lot. And, uh, you know, we, we walk over to their house and wave from the street and we played long distance Simon Says the other day and made him a little chalk obstacle course on the sidewalk. They seem in pretty good spirits. Um, you know, I, I know that children absorb and uh, interpret, you know, the worries and anxieties of their parents as well. Um, so it's always good for the parents to frame things for the, the young children to let them realize, you know, that all will be well and that the grownups will handle it. Now, for gosh sakes, let's hope the grownups handle it. But um, yeah, it's, uh, they, they absorb a lot and we have to make sure they're not misinterpreting it or, or, or we're not allowing their fears to build up in their own minds when they just pick it up, that, that worried vibe from mom and dad. Um, but yeah, my kids are doing a great job. Of doing that, are you know, uh, a lot of this is uh, uh, the the youngsters, uh, Delphine and Atlas, my grandchildren, are just shrugging it right off.
0: That's great. It's good that they've been able to do it. They're fortunate. Um, I don't know that all that's happening everywhere or can happen everywhere. Um, So I'm curious, uh, you know, with where we are, what about any uh, psychic hits or information we can give people? Now, as far as with what's going on with COVID, have you had any impressions about it? Uh, uh, you know, anything from how long you think it may go on, how anything that you might have had.
1: Well, my strength is reading people and their emotional reactions, so I, I look at what I call a comfort level, which tells me how comfortable and secure people feel over time. In fact, it, that was what I was looking at when I that the first glimmer I got of this pandemic was I saw the stock market crashing, <laughs> and and then like I did not see this coming as a virus at all. I, I, I spent about a month asking myself, well, what could it possibly be that's coming that's gonna make people so scared? I mean, why are they all? I didn't, you know, I'd, I'd been looking at a market drop for a long time, but it was just because people were, I thought that the balloon was getting blown up too big and it was gonna pop, you know, economically. Uh, but when I follow along people en masse, looking at the, the population as a whole uh, and how people are reacting to it, they are we're, we're past the point where we've been investing in it uh, strongly with fear and and that tends to be true of almost any big emotional investment that people make nationally as a, as a nation or as a, even globally we we tend to invest for about 90 days and then we figure out a way to cope with it reconcile it compartmentalize it or you know just get on with our life it becomes a new normal for us and we've just passed the point last week or so where that calming down a little bit of calming down happened around june 1st we look like we're interacting more and interacting with each other more and people are getting a little calmer we're not out of the woods for a long time with this thing unfortunately um by september we look like we're gaining a little more momentum within the next year uh, i i to, to give you a completely imaginary statistic but i'm guesstimating we get back, you know, in terms of commerce and business and interaction to about 75% of where we were before this thing struck. And that's kind of levels off and continues for a couple of years. We're not really getting up to hurtling forward with the speed we were before. Oh, wait, 75% about,
0: is about a year from now, you're saying? Yeah. That's really you know,
1: and, and, and I think we've got about a three-year trip to, to pull out of, uh, you know, the economic doldrums and get most people feeling a little better about how they're doing really interesting patty had uh, last week
0: said astrologically looking at it uh that we would recover to a certain point by march of next year uh but that we would still have an economic thing that would be going on for
1: we are we're getting a big bump up just a little bit shy of a year from now which i think is either a therapeutic or a vaccine um that i mean i'm just logically assuming that must be the case why everybody's heaving a big sigh of relief you know at that point Uh, I hate like heck to agree with experts, but that seems to be what the experts are telling us as well.
0: Yeah. How do you feel about vaccines? Have you heard some of these uh, conspiracy theories right now going on around this specific uh, Mm COVID-19?
1: Yeah, you know, I have used antibiotics in the past, and they are very good at knocking down bacteria, Uh, and like anything else, they can be overused or misused. and I, uh, and I get a flu vaccination, and I, when my grandchildren were born, I got a whooping cough or a pertussis vaccination because I didn't want to be responsible for passing something dangerous along to my kid. I think there's a, a fine line to walk. I know a lot of people are very suspicious of vaccines and like to keep any kind of medical intervention to a minimum. And Lord knows, you know, I mean, I've had doctors tell me many times over the years that I was going to die. Uh, and it's, it, you know... They were wrong. <laughs> I mean, I was told more than forty years ago that uh, I had three years to live. So, uh, go figure. But
0: what were you? was what you were diagnosed with at that moment? That they
1: said three years? They they thought I had uh, ALS, Lou Gehrig's uh, amyotropic lateral sclerosis. It took It took me three years to learn to pronounce it. I couldn't die. I had to learn how to pronounce the darn thing. But uh, yeah, I went through a a long process of, uh, investigating that and diagnosing it and trying to heal it. And, and, uh, then I'm still here. So either it was misdiagnosed or I managed to affect a healing, but it, you know, it, it gives me a little bit different perspective on, um, I, I, I never accept absolutely something that I'm told by a medical professional. But I do sort it out in my own head in terms of what I think is an acceptable risk. And I do believe that vaccinating kids is a good idea for the vast majority of people. And it's good for all of us to have our kids protected against the things that we used to have. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when my brother got the measles, they put one of those green uh, pasted quarantine posters on our door. Uh, and, you know, that used to happen. The dreaded quarantine sign would get put up on your house and you you were not allowed to go out um we had whooping cough we had diphtheria we had uh polio you know in in my early days my mother was afraid i was going to get polio we weren't allowed to go to the public swimming pool um and and it was a, a realistic fear it was pretty communicable and the you know the consequences of getting polio were pretty severe so yeah i i i have to say that i while i sympathize with people who are suspicious of government medical programs and medical intervention, that I believe in vaccinating. Well,
0: uh, and that I mean, that's good to know too. But also outside of like the general conversation of vaccines, uh, one of the things that again that they've been talked there's been a lot of talk around, and I hear the community with respects to COVID nineteen is, you know, uh, it really deals with. Uh, Bill Gates and uh, having done, I don't know if you heard about this, but he, he had done a TED Talk either last year or the year before and uh, talking about this uh, coronavirus being, you know, the future pandemic was coming and this was one of the biggest dangers coming on. He's the largest donator to, you know, the World Health Organization. Uh, he is, you know, had the largest shareholder in the, the company that's trying to make the vaccine for this. And, uh, and, and the thing that I've been hearing now uh from from certain corners is that they're going to actually put uh technology in these vaccines now and track us and you know there's this whole big conspiracy it's unraveling and so here's my question um taking taking all of that in note have you reached out and and as a psychic and read to see not if that is true or not true uh, that's not that's not really i don't think it's it's not an interesting conversation in the sense that we don't know right there's ways you can look at all these things. But what I am interested in, I think, is is something you can read as a psychic. Have you looked at and used your abilities in any way to see how much, because there's obviously manipulation that happens all the time in, you know, there's the opportunity, there's the opportunist in every situation, no matter how bad or how good. So that aside, how much conspiracy or how much manipulation is going on right now in the world Mm -hmm. around? Have you in any way peered that way or is that just not a way that you
1: necessarily look well, in terms of uh, direct government intervention to, you know, inject mini bots into us with vaccines, I don't know that we have accomplished that technology yet. And I never saw anything like that in terms of any future vision I had as as, as terrible as some of the visions I've had. You know, I used to tease other psychics who came up with, you know, apocalyptic visions, you know, the end of the world in 2012 or the, the Y2K virus, you know, virus or the, uh, um, you know, the the very at the end of the millennium year 2000 we were all supposed to get carried off or the comet was coming and going to get us all or the great tidal wave of new york 1981 Edgar casey came up with that one and i used to sort of joke about it until i became one of those people predicting this big ecological disaster now I'm a little more sympathetic but i i i many many years ago i i remember i was reading certain people down in santa barbara and some of them were connected to politics and I realized that something that uh, that there was a conspiracy theory saying that you know oh gosh we were trading arms for hostages with the Contras in Central America and this complicated conspiracy theory and my first thought was nah, that's ridiculous you know that would never happen I was very skeptical of the people who uh, were bringing it forward and then when I encountered or crossed paths with some of the people involved in that particular situation I was dumbfounded. I thought, "Oh my gosh, it's true!" You know, uh, so I'll, I'll have a willing suspension of disbelief about some of the conspiracy theories. Um, for me, even I, I don't have any real technological or scientific background, so uh, I don't know the basis for some of these things. Uh, I do know that you know what concerns me more than Bill Gates being motivated to you know infect us all with something that can control us or monitor us. I worry more about um, information technology being hijacked uh, or elections being hijacked, uh, you know, bad actors around the world deciding that they're going to change the uh, information stream and tell us things that are not true and tell us so often and so thoroughly that we start to believe they're true. And so I think a certain amount of skepticism about almost all information uh, is, is worthwhile, but uh, yeah, I, I, I haven't really, had that on my radar that, uh, that Bill Gates is going to turn us into robots or anything. <laughs>
0: um, and then what about, uh, Wi-Fi and 5G and this, stuff? how do you, uh, uh, have you, does it do at all? Do you find that it impacts you as well? I mean, you know, there. I, I,
1: I looked into this because several of my, um, clients had mentioned, you know, is could it be the 5G with a connection to, uh, Wuhan and connection to Italy. And the thing is we, we, 5G has been installed elsewhere. And it hasn't seemed to have the same effect or the effect that it's supposed to be having. It's also difficult to understand exactly how a virus such as this is connected to something that has more to do with telecommunications and the you know, wavelengths that are flying through the air invisibly all around us um, to create an epidemic. So I, I, I'm not sure I believe that one. I, I haven't got enough evidence uh, that I have seen personally to be able to give me a, a, a handle on that. Well, actually, my real question, though, is in general. I'm, I'm paranoid as can be. Let me tell you, like most psychics, <laughs> um, uh, it is funny. It, it's true. Psychics often have their edge there. Well, <laughs> um, uh, we develop this in self-defense mode when we're going up. You know, I I always tell people if you want a good synonym for psychic, uh, try horrendously overly sensitive.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so what I'm really wondering is, with 5G or with with uh, Wi-Fi and all that stuff, is, it's, do you find yourself in any way sensitive to it as a psychic, uh, as an intuitive? Like, you know, do you? Yeah. What's your relationship to that?
1: Well, what, uh, back before we had good modern microwave ovens, they always used to affect me when somebody turned on the microwave. Back when they were leaky, and uh, and so somebody would turn on a microphone or a microwave, and i I'd, I'd get the shivers and uh, microwave towers and that kind of radiation, uh, You know, even when I'm driving, sometimes I'll, I'll feel it and I'll disassociate slightly when I'm around it. Different kinds of wavelength and energy do uh, affect me a little bit more. Um, but uh, so you know, I know that those, those energies are there. I wouldn't wanna live underneath a transmission tower or around high tension lines, things like that, or be bathed in that all the time. But uh, yeah, I have a sensitivity to it, but I haven't attributed any um, uh, any physical effects. I, I think the chemical environment we're bathed in creates really more problems for us in terms of pollution and degradation of the water and the air um, because it's almost impossible to avoid uh, little micro doses of different harmful things in, in our food and in our you know uh, and all the, the food that comes out of the sea now is to some extent affected by what we've been dumping into rivers so those those kinds of things yeah i will acknowledge and uh you know we should try to eat and drink as cleanly as we can
0: well the only thing i will say is as a as a new yorker and as many people who are on here are new yorkers um the uh we have we're just bathed we are bathed in this so often you know i mean in the time i had lived in my apartment in the last year uh i went from not seeing any cell towers outside my windows to having three different uh 5g towers put coming in and i think you know, what my concern is uh, not that you have to have the answer for this but just to bring it up, you know my concern is that i do feel it uh if, if, if you know especially back in the day with the microwaves and the first cell phones oh my god first time i ever put a cell phone in my head i, I literally i thought i was gonna have to go to the hospital it was it was uh shocking what happened in my head um, and i remember thinking "Oh, I'll, I'll never have one of these you know <laughs> of course i i love my iphone but <laughs> um, but uh but, it was it was really just so toxic for me and so what i think and is you know whether it's causing the virus or not you know i do wonder about its impact on our immune system uh you know the degradation of our cells and our dna uh and then and the thing is they're just they're irradiating everything you know you know most of our meats are irradiated um you know people don't really know that but most of our you know so much of our food is irradiated it's really uh a sin and so that's where I wonder about it having an impact in our ability to but, uh, as far as for causing the, the virus or not I think it's another one that's a hard one to answer uh, I do think there's pretty good information though that says that there was laboratories in Wuhan that we knew about uh, the Wall Street Journal put out a great article uh, about uh, messages that have been sent from the American Embassy over there back to uh, Washington Couple of years ago, uh, I think it was in January of 2018, is where it started, uh, saying like there's a problem. We have these laboratories working with this, you know, this coronavirus and bats and studying it, and they don't have proper uh, protocols in place. So, so I think most likely it, it leaked that way. Whatever,
1: whether I mean, that. Was- you, can, you know, when you when you when you screw up like that, I mean, they're, they're then the cover up begins because they're embarrassed. You know. So I don't know whether there's a more sinister motive in restricting the information around it, or whether it's just that they they shot themselves in the foot and they uh, you know don't want people looking into it. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, as far as five G goes, you know, I mean, in uh, 1347, uh, the population of the Earth decreased for the first time in recorded history because of the Great Plague that came across through Asia and out into through, through Europe, and uh, Uh, I don't know uh, whether anybody's theorizing that that was caused by microwave towers or 5G radiation or not, but uh, I think it predates the the cell phone by quite a bit. Do they have any idea why? Uh, I'm going with bacteria and rats and uh, people starting to travel between East and West more. Uh, You know, kind of a mundane explanation for it. I do have something interesting though. Uh, Let me see if I... This is, uh, you know, you, you know my hobbies, right? You know, this comes from the, from the Domesday book, which is uh, 1347, and I made a little copy of it. I like to illuminate from time to time. And it's uh, basically Domine Miteri Dignetis sanctum angelum Tuum De Caelis qui phobia protiget defenda, arque defendat omnes habitantes in hoc habitaculo, which means, uh, Lord, promise to send your holy angel from heaven to guard, cherish, visit, and defend all the inhabitants gathered in this house. And it was something that was used as an invocation against the plague, and they would put it up in their houses and hope for the angels to protect them from the bug. So I think it's rather, rather an apropos prayer. No, well, you don't have to say it in Latin. <laughs>
0: Thanks for sure. Um you know what? I think we got a lot of questions with you. So I'm going to turn it over to that in a minute. And, uh, but I just wanted to know, you know, is there anything else that you wanted to say, you know, for people who are listening and, you know, uh, going through this right now or anything else that you wanted to share <laughs> don't, don't feel You know,
1: no, you know in the, the main thing is in the in the world to come. Uh, we might find that we're going through hard times again, you know, just from the degradation of the environment. And so doing everything that we can do in our own power. To do something about it you know just living in as responsible a manner as we can we're already learning a little bit about what we can do without and so I don't know that we need to go back to galloping materialism uh, living a little bit more simply enjoying nature more I think is I think we're really going to appreciate nature when we get an opportunity to get back to it so uh, I, I think that uh, that 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 that's all I would really encourage people to do is to just try to live a little bit more simply and uh, be a little nicer to Mother Earth.
0: Actually, uh, I do have another question though. So if, if, we're, if this is helping to uh, change things, this 2030 prediction, um, do you think that it has a lot to do with the individuals or do you think it more, has more to do with uh, companies or politicians? Like where do, you, where do you think that sits as far as um, the influence that, that's
1: coming in? You know, I have a lot of corporate clients, and I and I when I talk to people who are doing hiring or firing or working within one business or another, I always tell them the same thing. They say, "Well, you know, should I invest in X company or that company?" And I'll say, "Well, it's it's a collection of people. You know, that's what a company is—a bunch of individuals." So, uh, I think that you have to make an individual choice to do the right thing and model it for the people around you, and throw your little pebble in the pond and let the ripples go out from that. You know, if you realized how many people you've touched in your lifetime? we're starting to realize it more because we can't touch them. <laughs> but, you know, if you bring a little positive energy to somebody in your life and that person goes forward and carries a little bit of that forward to everybody else, they know pretty soon you've touched every other human on the face of the earth, you know? So maybe some of the monks sitting up on mountaintops aren't, aren't getting it, but, uh, you have an influence whether you realize it or not. So bringing the right energy and approach and, you know, I mean, I, 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 even with all of this talk of doom and gloom and these these prophecies and these visions that I have, I'm an optimist. I have the feeling that we're going to be able to turn the corner anyway. I've, I've always had an abiding belief that humans are going to survive, we're going to carry on, and we're going to, you know, uh, hopefully get into a, a, a new golden era. But uh, we have to be responsible about taking these obstacles out of our path, doing something to make it uh, possible to get there. and. So we just have to stop fouling our own nest, and and individuals can do that. I mean, you know, recycle, drive a hybrid, you know, donate money to Greta Thunberg,
0: <laughs> well, and make choices, and uh, that even the difficult choices that actually uh, express and demonstrate your value, what you care about, and uh, what you want for the with the world. I was talking in. Uh, I don't remember where I said this. I was, it was one of my interviews or talks or something, but i was talking about one of my, um, uh, one of my teachers who I study with. And she says, you know, uh, what do you, what do you vote for? Like, realize your actions, your choices and the things you do, they're your, that's your vote. And, okay. you know, so what would you vote for? And so I think that uh, our vote is very powerful and it impacts, you know, peer influence is huge. You know, whether we You know, I mean, how can we not realize it, right? I mean, you go into corporate America, and it's like going into high school. Um, So as far as the relationships and the cliques and the, you know.
1: Well, educators talk about something called values clarification, and I always find it a good idea for people to update their values to take a look seriously at what they believe and stand for and stand against and what you will allow in your presence, what you will not allow in your presence, no matter what, you know. And it does put you into a position of making hard choices sometimes. And you have to make sacrifices if you stay true to your values. But if you know what they are and you sort of rehearse them, it helps you act and interact in the world in a way that provides a model for other people if it's something positive. And uh, it also lets you sleep at night. You know, I mean, if I, if I run into somebody, I don't know, whacking their two-year-old in the produce section, I have to say something. Because one of my values is that big people aren't allowed to hurt little people. and if I stopped to think about that, if I didn't have that value really clarified and rehearsed and, and strong, I'd stand there like a deer in the headlights saying, okay, should I say something? Should I do anything? If I step in and interfere, is she going to get upset? Is she going to make a scene? Will she lay off the kid now, but clobber in the parking lot? Will she call the manager? Will she whack me? You know, I mean, what's going to, you happen? Know? if I think too much, I'm, I'm, I'm frozen. If I know what I believe and stand for, and I've clarified that I understand it in my own mind, then I know that I win, lose or draw, regardless of result, I have to make a stand there and say something, do something about it. And that uh, lets you sleep at night.
0: I love this, values clarified. Fantastic. And I think, you know, lastly on this, uh, you know, sometimes I think we can't always, you know, uh, stand up for our values in a moment. You know, sometimes people are, you know, my mother had five children, and uh, four jobs and was doing what she could and maybe couldn't have quit a job in that moment. But I do think we can keep our by clarifying our values, we can set our, our our sales towards those better, you know, better choices in the future. You know, so even if we can't in that moment, I think one of the things that happens is we get discouraged. I think a lot of people when they do touch their values and realize maybe in certain areas they're not there. Uh, they give up or feel like, oh, I have to shift that value. And I think it's really powerful. We can hold on to that and say, wait a second, you know, maybe I can't do anything about this now, but how can I actually change that in my life at some point?
1: Well, there's a lot that I tell people just aim for that. You know, I I know with psychics and other hypersensitives, I always tell them, you know, number one rule, don't ever take anything personally. Mm -hmm. And then I always laugh and say, of course, that's impossible for a sensitive person, but aim for that. Yes. (laughs)
0: All right. Well, I want to let Lizette know that I'm, definitely open to some questions coming up in here uh, so if you have any questions that, uh, you yes
2: might... yes yes I think we actually have someone that we're going to promote to video which is exciting
0: I think this is the first so let's see how this yes
2: is... all right so Mara I'm gonna I'm gonna promote you to video just give us one second
0: Technology. Oh. Fun.
2: yeah I'm gonna promote her
0: they should have a quick, easy button and just be like, "Boom!" All right. That- Can
2: you hear me? Yes. Hold on. One yeah. second. Oh. Hi. Bye. bye. There we
0: go. All right. I got her now. Okay.
2: Hi. I'm Maura. Um, I I had a question that I think you an- answered because you were talking about the bungee cord and the Berlin Wall, and then this and and so I think you you answered that one, but I almost feel like um, we've changed the meaning of social and, um, you know, social used to be gathering with friends and we've turned it into, um, you know, all of this uh, texting and how we present ourselves to other people. And it's not about how we're actually interacting with one another. It's 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 almost anonymous. And I almost feel like this is like a twilight zone. It's a, a punishment, um, you know, in terms of this is, you want to know what social is, and now actually people are going back to calling on the phone and writing letters. And I'm, I just wondered what your thoughts were on that.
1: Well, you see, we old people were right, you know, this is the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I... You know, I like that we're modifying the culture a little bit away from the purely technological. One thing, we have studies now that have shown that, uh, you know, under 40 people tend to have less empathy than people over 40. And one of the reasons for that is that they're interacting through their devices so much. And that young people had had, uh, become a little more cruel towards each other, less empathetic, because they didn't see a face-to-face reaction all the time if they said something insulting or harsh, they didn't see the other person's face fall or get their feelings hurt in person. So that they got a little uh, uh, a little more inured to being harsher. And so uh, I think that, you know, we're all forced to be in the same room and it's, uh, you know, I think it's good for us. I, I think that we will kind of absorb and work with and get through the technology over time uh, you know, they talk a lot about, uh, youngsters now with something they call a nature deficit disorder that children are on their devices all the time and they're not, um, developing the relationship to nature that they should have. And it's, it's an unhealthy thing for them. And I agree with that wholeheartedly that children should interact with nature. But, uh, I think that we'll find a way to keep our devices and cell phones and communication with each other and communicating around the opposite side of the world is a thing it brings us closer together and still be able to make the connections with nature and have a social interaction in person at the same time. I, I think we will gradually adapt past those 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 problems. Those, those are steps in the process, I think, of getting a little more enlightened about how we use our technology.
2: Although 5G brings everything to the forefront where um, anything you want, it's known and it's presented to you. You don't have to search for things anymore. Um, I mean, I, we're we're solving all of our problems, but creating new ones.
1: Well, you know, I, I, I love the old song, uh, you know, this modern world we're living in gives cause for apprehension with speed and new invention and words like fourth dimension, you know. <laughs> Fifth dimension. You get a little trifle worried, you know, or, or I, I get a trifle weary of Mr. Einstein's theory. So he must relax, you know, relieve the tension. That's, of course, uh, You Must Remember This, A Kiss Is Just a Kiss. You know that song from Casablanca? Yeah, that was the preface to it. They were so overwhelmed by the speed and pace of massive technology in 1939. (laughs) And, you know, I think we can adapt even beyond 5G to just make it part of what we, you know, we bring into our repertoire and utilize and try to keep it in balance. You know, I mean, my mother back in the 50s was, you know, didn't let us watch too much television. We We got to watch TV. But it wasn't a constant diet, you know. And so we can work with our children in terms of being able to use the technology in positive ways and still force the little buggers to go out and play in the sunshine once in a while. I, I think we'll manage to work our way through technological advances that are, you know, overwhelming and intimidating, you know, every time we pick up the pace again. But uh, yeah, I, I, I hope we are able to get back to a more natural way of being in the world. Uh, the value of nature, I, I think, can't be underestimated.
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you Laura, by the way, for your question, um, Pat. I actually know you. Uh, you spend time out in nature. Uh, I understand you go off into the woods and go hang out in Yosemite for long, pretty long periods of time. And- mm-hmm yourself, is that correct? Do I have- oh,
1: Absolutely, yeah, I, I flee is what I do. <laughs> yeah, if I did not take time alone in natural surroundings on a regular basis, I wouldn't be able to keep working. Yeah, I, oh, I remembered that. Um,
0: you know what, uh, Lizette, you can find us another question, but I'm gonna ask two that I see here uh, while I'm doing this. So if there's somebody else that wants to get promoted up or that you wanna see about doing that, go for it. Yes, uh, we
2: have one more to promote, but I'll let you go.
0: Hold them for one sec here. Oh. So here's a, a, a question that came up, Pat. Uh, somebody asked, is the virus man-made? Do you, uh, do you have any psychic sense whether it, you think this is man-made or not?
1: The short answer is I don't know. I'm going to have to wait and watch and, like everybody else, to see you know, what, what shakes out. Uh, I do think that the pandemic was man-made in the sense of the way it was handled and dealt with in the immediate aftermath so whether it was something that leapt from bats or other you know creatures to humans and then you know managed to transmit from human to human and happened in a you know essentially natural way or whether this is something that was lab created i think we just have to wait and see there, there there's a lot of the rumor mill is working overtime on both sides of that question um and uh you know i haven't seen or felt anything distinct to tell me one way or the other, and and reading a virus is not something I've I've had a lot of experience with.
0: Uh, right. The uh, and then the other question I thought was just a might be an easy one for you to just share. Uh, so I think I may have mentioned to some people who are coming on here that you know one of the ways you read is you you'll look at the aura and the bands in the aura. And somebody specifically asked, uh, can you see if somebody's sick by looking at their aura, and what exactly changes color vibrancy um does it appear cracked or weak or what
1: would you show question of degree when you there's a layer right next to the skin that i call pilot light blue looks like the blue you see under a pilot light or a candle flame and it just helps you to shrug off outside shock or strong emotional energy anything coming in too fast um if that's gone you know then it's then it's relevant and you're likely to be ill yeah um you know most people thank goodness have it and you know occasionally i'll Step across a restaurant and tell somebody, you know, have you been to the doctor lately? Uh, you actually but, done that? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The one that 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 that's the toughest. I, every once in a while, I'll see somebody who kind of has an energy signature for something like leukemia, and then I have a, a moral decision to make. You know, my first question I ask myself is, okay, try. Oh no! My big mouth and ruin somebody's day. Yeah. <laughs> It's a
0: tough decision what to do in that, that particular case.
1: Yeah, uh, it, you know, I, I, less is more in terms of intervention by psychics I've found over the years. But
0: all right, so uh, I'm gonna we're gonna take another question here. Was that promoted up? Hi. Good. To, oh, we gotta unmute you. Oh, hold on. There you are. You're unmuted. You're you all good.
2: Go. So good to see you, Asa.
0: No, it's been a long time.
2: I know. Thanks. Hi, Pat. Nice to meet you. Okay, so um, my husband and I have been talking about sort of what relationships will look like post the pandemic. For me, of course, I'm dying to see my family. So we feel like we'll all be much closer and nicer to our inner circles. But we wonder about those that are from our outer circles, so strangers. So when I go on a run, for example, I feel like people will likely jump into traffic before just to get out of my way or not be even close to me. So I was curious what your thoughts are in terms of our relationships within our inner circles, but also those that are complete strangers.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, and, and I'm, I'm what they call in psychology a fast bonder, which means I feel like I can become old friends with just about anybody in five minutes. And I love to chat up strangers out in public, you know, and increasingly over the years, I've noticed already just because of the technology or somebody's on their cell phones or has their earphones in that, you know, this crazy old man who wants to strike up a conversation about the weather, you know, is, uh, you know, there must be something wrong with him. And so we're getting a little further distanced, I think, in that way already. This is going to exacerbate it for darn sure. You know, I, I'm hoping that we come out of this with a couple of new superpowers. One is, what I call basically just the superpower of gratitude that we are alive and that we all have shared something and we can have a kind of a fellow feeling as a people, you know, that we've all gone through these hard times together and come out the other side and appreciate each other a little bit more on that basis. In terms of direct interaction, it's going to take a long time to develop those social reflexes again, where you'll get close to somebody, you know, uh, I, I speak Spanish and I have a lot of, uh, latin american friends and one aspect of life in latin america has always been that people get a lot closer to you when they talk to you you know well you you're italian i say, right you know i mean <laughs> i'm i'm uh,
2: from puerto rico so i also speak
1: spanish right? too <laughs> and also, is, you know uh they when they're talking <laughs> to you they get right up close to you and make sure you hear here and you know they, there's that a lot of times when people come north and they encounter the the just the natural sense of distance or space that norte north americanos have it's, uh, it's a little bit of a shock for them at first. You know, why are you being so cold? Why are you so unfriendly? You know? And uh, it's just one of those social habits. I do think we're gonna be distancing ourselves for a long time yet to come. And there's kind of fears that can turn into phobias that come from something like this. You know, there were, there were mothers who would not let their kids swim in a public swimming pool back in the 50s and 60s for a long time because of the memory of polio, long after we had a vaccination. And there will be mothers who will not let their children go play soccer because of the memory of this pandemic uh for for years yet to come, so it's and and you know, I'm not blaming mothers, mothers are you know they're they're always that's first first and foremost is the safety of their children but yeah i I'm hoping that we're gonna develop a little more fellow feeling and appreciation for our fellow man as having all gone through these hard times together and unify a little bit more across racial lines and gender lines and national lines and age lines i'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure how close we're gonna be socially in the, in the years to come. I think that we will gradually drift back towards, you know, a more huggable culture, but we'll see. I hope so. I hope Thank, so. I'm a... Thank you. Thanks, Kami. And so, you know, listening
0: to you answer that, it brought up a question in my mind, which is, do you think uh, what's going on in this, this period of social distancing, but also uh, being so much more aware of our interconnectedness on the planet because of you know what's happening with this virus do you think that it may impact people's psychic awareness that it could actually elevate that
1: wow i'm gonna to have to look at that right now because that does that that question made me very curious about the same thing i think
0: uh i'm gonna i'm gonna let you do that look like you went in to do that to go look
1: I'm not sure that it will. I like the idea of considering ourselves to be one, you know, on this planet, one with all other beings. And I like the awareness of that growing. Whether people will become more or less sensitive is hard to say. Years ago, Michael Murphy and I were having a conversation. He, he believed that humans were evolving to become more psychic. And I was countering that saying, you know, if anything, humans in, in millennia past actually were more open to this, more psychic than they are now, and so that, and and I'm not sure that being hypersensitive is a survival trait, to tell you the truth, Um, again, that kind of sensitivity can, you know, it's always triggering your fight-flight response all the time when you you pick things up coming from the environment, so yeah, I'm going to have to go with I don't know on that one, Uh, and I'm not sure I'd want to live in a world where everybody was as hypersensitive as I am, Uh, you know.
0: Sensitivity, I, I do wonder if it's going to make us, um, when we communicate, maybe more aware of the energy behind things, right? Like, you know, I know things that you and I might take for granted, uh, I think others may become more sensitive with. You know, I definitely, my head has definitely been that uh, that our empathic nature is going to grow a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. because because we're going to be expressing empathy from a distance and in a different way. And so it's not going to sit in our body the same way. And I think it's going to expand um, our empathic nature, which is why I've been doing these talks and classes on it recently and uh, wanting to get good information out there about uh, what it means to be an empath and and, uh, and to have that sensitivity because I don't think it's a curse or just, you know, all about soaking up other people's stuff and suffering and not being able the world because of it. Um, well, like,
1: I've, I've often told people about things like clairsentience, as say, you know, I, I, you do have this and, and I swear to God, it's a gift, you know? It, it is. is. <laughs> yes.
0: Thank you so much for tonight. Uh, as we close out here, can you just, uh, I had some requests in here, can you just share that timeline one more time as far as now into next year? That would be mm-hmm. great.
1: Well, I'm, I'm, like I say, we're past what I, what I call the hysteria peak, where we were really at a, at a peak of fear We're dropping down, June 1st is when I'm targeting for where we're starting to interact more without as much fear and tiptoeing back into a little bit more normal activity. And then we're getting a little more momentum established in the fall, September, October. Uh, I do believe, and I hope I'm wrong, that we're going to have a little resurgence of the disease again. And then uh, we are just about a little bit shy of a year from now, spring of the following year. Before we get to where everybody just cal- sort of calms down on mass all at once, which which tells me we're getting therapeutics or we're getting a vaccine at some point uh, down the road. So that would be the the timetable. And then in terms of general, you know, economic recovery and you know feeling as as uh, prosperous as we were before, I think we're getting back to about three quarters of that over the course of the next two three years.
0: And do you think that we will come back to a similar uh, type of economy that we're in now, or do you think it's going to uh, potentially be a whole different economic system?
1: I don't know that we're going to throw out the, the infrastructure of the economy. I do think that certain industries are going to vanish. Uh, you know, of course, we've seen in the last decade or so, industries pop up that we had no idea were going to cr- be created. Information technology and, you know, all the, the digital world and the cloud that we, we operate in. Um, but yeah, certain things, I mean, I, I, I find it very, very hard to imagine uh, that people are going to be eager to go on cruises in the future.
0: I made sure. some challenges there for sure. It will be interesting to see. I hope you are right about this vision with uh, 2030 and that, that this that what's happening now changes that not just for your vision, but also uh, like whether that was ever true or not for where the world has been heading with nature and with the environment. So um,
1: knowing I, the nature knowing the nature of time, I have to say that I, I cannot imagine that this massive event would not change the timeline one way or another. I'm just still waiting to let it grind forward just a little bit more before I can really get out there and revisit that vision with, with any real certainty. I, I
0: 100% agree with you.
1: Uh thank, get back to you, Asa, and let everybody know as soon as I see that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you so much for being here, for taking the time to do this with me, Pat. I so appreciate it. By the way, I forgot to tell you guys, if you want to find him, it's so easy. It's psychicpat.com. Uh, psychicpat.com, he's amazing at what he does and, uh, a a oh. um, <laughs> and uh, catch me Friday night with uh, Dr. Kukai and Walter Blick I think that's gonna be another interesting night um, uh, yeah hanging with these guys we're gonna hear some stuff that maybe we haven't heard uh, before so Pat it, it was amazing it was great and you should do more of this people need to hear your voice
1: uh, I think that you hey, have per- great a special dispensation I'm doing it for you Asa so <laughs> Thanks, it's been my honor and privilege I think you have such a great way of putting
0: information out there, and it's so accessible and yet touches this unseen world, and uh, and I appreciate it very much.
1: Well, I appreciate you as well, my friend. Take care.
0: Take care. Have a great night. Thanks, everybody, for being here.